0: This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older.
1: Hello, my friends. Nick Labredi here for JRcigars.com, and welcome to another episode of our virtual Herb series. Yes, the pandemic is continuing, but that doesn't mean that we can't put a smile on your face and a cigar in your hand. So today, very special guest, one of my favorite members of the cigar industry. He's young. He's cool. He's like a hip guy, like one of those hip guys, but he's also incredibly knowledgeable and works for an agricultural, uh, just a tobacco giant, and one of the most important manufacturers of the modern cigar era, Mr. Terrence Riley from Aganorsa. Terrence, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, Thank you so much for having me. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you for the kind words.
1: Oh, of course. I wrote that uh, last night, actually. Good um, <laughs> so, so,
2: so Terrence, obviously, you're in Miami. You're having a few cigars.
1: How are you handling everything that's going on right now?
2: No, I'm just living the dream. You know, it is what it is. You know, uh, there's not really too much we can do about it. So we roll with the punches and we get to do stuff like this and, and uh, try new things. A lot of times, you know, uh, in World War One, I, I think it was the Germans, they came, they started dropping mustard gas and the English came up with a gas mask in about like 18 seconds once they got a whiff of that stuff. So I think there's an opportunity here to come up with new ways uh, for an industry that's, you know, always challenged with limitations due to, you know, the anti-tobacco people out there.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, actually, I don't know if you saw that there was an article um, that uh, British America Tobacco is currently creating some vaccine using tobacco plants. I saw I would that. Love, I would love to see the uh, the FDA approve that one.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, till, Yeah, when you when you can you solve Corona. You could, yeah. it could be it could be math. It could be anything for those yeah, guys exactly. Right there. Yeah, they're just going to take it. <laughs>
1: um, so, how is Agonorsa as a company right now, kind of dealing with this crisis? How are you guys looking, factory-wise, in the fields, shipping product?
2: So we're looking pretty good, actually. Uh, we we were able to get a few containers out of Nicaragua um, before things started to shut down there. This is Holy Week, so they were going to be closed anyway this week. And precautionary uh, for precautionary reasons, they shut down last week as well, just to give it two full weeks. Uh, to keep people separate and uh, you know, for their safety. So we were able to receive a container before that of uh, a lot of cigars, and we're shipping every day out of Miami, and and uh, still, thank God, getting some orders in. So I think, considering we're in a pretty good place.
1: That's perfect. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I know a lot of guys, uh, because I know it's a big thing in Nicaragua to close down during Easter week, a lot of the guys i talked to have Nicaraguan factories. Had just happened to like get a big shipment of all their stuff, like just before this all went down. So, I guess we kind of, a lot of the stodge the bullet on that one. Um, so, in terms of like your retail partners, a lot of the mom and pop shops, are you still in contact with them? Are you, are you still getting some orders out to them? Or, you know, how is it kind of affecting the, uh, the retail market right now? Like the mom and pop retail market?
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely slowed them down, obviously. A lot of states, you can barely do any business at all. A lot of guys are doing curbside uh, pickup, uh, some guys are doing delivery. So most guys are ordering what they need. You know, they know that guy comes in every week for a box uh, and he's still coming in for it. So they make sure they have th- that box for him, but they're not buying big, I think, until uh, until this kind of passes. So for the most part, we're just trying to stay in touch with them, uh, show support the way we can. And and we're, it's we're really non-pressure right now. We've been telling guys, listen, you know, you need something great. We're here for you. And if you don't, that's OK, too. We're going to be here next month uh, or whenever things open up again. Don't worry.
1: I think it's great that I'm I'm seeing a lot of the manufacturers really step up and providing what they need, not just to their retail partners but also to their employees, really making sure that they're taking care of their employees. And uh, I think it says a lot about these companies, particularly you know you guys. So what are you seeing in terms of the long-lasting effects for uh, for you? Like, do you see maybe you know having some issues with tobacco product, like the actual in in the fields in the coming weeks, or do you think that Nicaragua should be opening up soon enough and you get back to kind of business as normal?
2: I think it's going to get back to business as, as normal. I mean, we are going to open next week again. I mean, we're doing some precautionary things like, uh, you know, the temperature checks when people come in and san- you know, sanitation wipes when everyone comes in, stuff like that. But I, my, from what I've gathered, most of the people down there are a lot more concerned about putting food on the table. Nicaragua is not a wealthy country. The cigar industry provides a huge amount of, uh, of work for, for, for people down there. I think it's one of the largest exports uh, they have. So people are a lot more concerned about not being able to feed their families than they are about about this. So I think generally the feeling is they want to go back to work, uh, but we just got to make sure that's done in a way that you know doesn't endanger anybody.
1: Exactly right. No, I, I agree with you. Speaking of like the, the kind of industry as a whole, there's been a few big industry announcements in the past uh, couple of weeks, starting with uh, what was passed by the House a few weeks ago that that bill, and also uh, the FDA is now petitioning to push off their own regulations until September. Do you kind of see that actually happening uh, or you know, do,
2: you, do you see the, the regulations being put on hold for a while? Yeah, I mean I think I'd have to check. I think it did get pushed back till September. I think it actually did okay. get pushed back. I just don't think there's any way that with all this going on anything right. in any industry is going to be uh, implemented, you know, in May. <laughs> I don't care right. what industry you're in. So, I think we're, we're that'll get pushed off and hopefully that, you know, gives us more time to to fight it, we're we're working to comply with everything uh, in terms of grandfathered product and, all, and substantial equivalency, but uh, but I think it, it'll probably be pushed back, if not further. You know, at least we have till September. So speaking
1: of substantial equivalency, and the, and the grandfathering of uh, of product, uh, when did Agonorsa really start? Like, like how, how how early did they start putting their stamp on things? And how many brands do you guys have that actually fulfill the requirements for substantial equivalence?
2: So in in terms of grandfather, we have blends going, I mean, for instance, one of our biggest brands, uh, JFR, it goes back to 2005 uh, or six, I I believe. Uh, So uh, we have a brand named Condega. We have uh, Mombacho, which is uh, actually exclusive for you guys, uh, for the serious stores. Um, So that's a a brand we have. Um, And then we're we're in the process with our lawyers of of, uh, um, submitting the applications for our blends that are substantially equivalent to, to those blends, so uh, we're doing our part to get it done, and hopefully we have you know enough time. And uh, but I think we're in a better position than a lot of people because we do have grandfathered brands and blends, and uh, and and we're actively um, working to make sure that everything is all set when if and when that day ever comes.
1: I mean, that's definitely good to hear, especially being a fan of so many of your your blends. I want to make sure that they're still available to me. Um, me too. <laughs> So, tell us a little bit of the history. I, I feel like if I had to make a comparison, that Agonorsa is kind of like the Placentia of today. They are this gigantic, like, tobacco kind of regime that, who just knows the, the plant and the soil and the processes in and out. Um, but they're also a very cool, it's like, behind the scenes for a lot of companies. I mean, we, we know you work a lot with Warped and, and Illusiona and some of their brands. Can you give us a little history, first of you in the industry, and then also of Aganorza, formerly known as Casa Fernandez, and how they kind of came to be?
2: Well, let me do uh, Agonorza first, just because it goes back further than me. Uh, yes, so, so Aganorsa is kind of an interesting story. Eduardo uh, Fernandez um, is, is like so many other people in this business, Cuban. And <laughs> his family uh, left Cuba when uh, our old buddy Castro came to power down there. Um, but his, his parents were not in the tobacco industry. His family was not in the tobacco industry. Um, so he, he, he didn't have any history in it. Um, however, he went to school in uh, Connecticut, and he, he used to see the tobacco sheds that they have out there. And mm-hmm. he, would, he would tell uh, his friends, you know, someday I'm going to be a farmer. I'm going to be involved in tobacco. So you fast forward uh, many years. He, he, he goes to Wharton School of Business. He becomes uh, the vice president of a bank in Miami. He's got a very good life. This is in the 80s. And uh, this is when Pizza Hut and Little Caesars and Domino's and these types of places are becoming popular. And so he and his brother took that model. Uh, uh, Eduardo at night would work at a Pizza Hut or a Domino's or something. And then during the day, he had his job as a VP of a bank. And then after he kind of got the hang of things, he went uh, to Spain and he opened something called Telepizza with his brother, which uh, was basically the the Spanish version of of Domino's or Pizza Hut or or that type of thing. And it became really successful in like eight years. They took it public, and he cashed out with I think sixty or seventy million euros was his his, his share of it. And so he was doing pretty well. Uh, and oh, I would say so. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was it was uh, <laughs> in a good place. And then in uh, two thousand uh, excuse me, nineteen ninety six, he uh, his wife is Nicaraguan, and he oh, Nicaragua was starting to open up again after uh, uh, the Sandinistas and the and the uh, embargo on, on Nicaragua was over, and they, uh, he went down there, and he invested in pigs, uh, uh, cattle, and tobacco. And he brought over a slew of Cuban agronomists that had worked for Cuba Tobacco, uh, guys that are in the industry are highly respected and well-known. They're a little less known to the general public, but guys like Arsenio Ramos and, and Jacinto Iglesias and Chandito Gomez, and these gentlemen uh, had retired from Cuba Tobacco. You know, they weren't guys pulled off the street from Havana You know and said, hey, you know. You're now a tobacco guy. These were yeah. high-ranking people in, uh, in Cuba Tobacco. And then he, he gave them the resources in Nicaragua to grow tobacco. So it started off as a growing operation. And in fact, what he did, almost nobody ever does. When you grow tobacco, uh, you will have a buyer for it. Because once you grow it, you got to get rid of it. I mean, you got to pay everybody. Your money's tied up in it. So people grow based on, on having a buyer already in place. He started doing that without a buyer. And his... his uh, mentality was, if you if you have a good product, people will beat a path to your door, and that really worked out um, very well, and, and a lot of uh, companies started buying from us. Uh, I think Olivo was one of the first, um, and then over the years, uh, Drew Estate's been a huge buyer for us, um, Altidus is a, is a big buyer of our tobacco, uh, and, and many others. Um, and then we also got into the manufacturing side. Uh, currently, we have operations both in Nicaragua and a small operation in Miami, um, so we're basically vertically integrated. We have we have the t- we have the tobacco. We have the operations to uh, cure and ferment it, and then we have the the rolling and distribution facilities. So we're able to take that uh, unique tobacco we have uh, of the seeds that we grow, and make sure that they reach optimal flavor uh, all the way through the process. So you know you can have the best piece of steak on earth. Um, if you overcook it, now it's just a piece of shoe leather. Um, so right. we're able to take the, those those raw materials that we we cultivate. And ensure that what's best about them reaches all the way to the end consumer. So that's uh, that's Aganorsa. Um and then and then uh, my role in it, uh, 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 Casada Cigars. Manuel Casada is my uncle, and I, I was uh, had the pleasure of working with him for many years. And then a couple of years ago, um, I left and came to Aganorsa. And the reason I came to Aganorsa is I saw it had a, a huge opportunity. It was a sleeping giant in my mind, isn't that? Right. It wasn't as well, kind of like you said. Uh, well, since is, and they've done a great job of, uh, with getting their name out there now. But for many years, they also a lot of people didn't know who they were, but they knew the brands that they made for other people. Right. And, uh, and so Agonors, I kind of felt, was in the same, same boat, is that people didn't really know them, but knew a lot of the brands that they made. And so I felt that I could, I could help bring attention to the, thing, the, the quality product that we have. So I came on board, and my job is to, is, uh, is to head uh, sales and marketing.
1: That's awesome. So, I mean, working for, uh, obviously, that being your and uh, your, well, Quesada being your uncle. So you've had a pretty deep history in the cigar industry dating back, I mean, the, the Quesadas are, like the Placencia is very well known in the industry, dating back, you know, years and years. So you were able to bring some of that knowledge that you already had for like this kind of legacy of the Quesada family and bring it to Aganorsa. Um, and I think that's great. I mean, they're, they're both two of my favorites and they're both kind of staples of their respective countries. You know, the Quesadas are, you know, up there with the Fuentes in terms of the Dominican Manufacturers and you know Aganorsa right now I think is the Nicaraguan manufacturer. Um So what were some of the first uh, solo brands that Aganorsa came out with? You know, but before they really started with working with
2: anyone and collaborating, or were these collaborations kind of their first products they were putting out? Back in the day, I mean they they had they had their own brands back in the day. They had some brands that uh, we still have and still sell it in different markets, but uh, aren't as well known uh, now. Certainly like Condega, Condega is. Uh, heavily sold in, in uh, Europe, and Spain, and things. We do a lot. We we make a lot for the European market. But in the U.S., we don't do much with it anymore. Uh, Casique, Tango. We 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 also had brands that were uh, when our our U.S. I, uh, operation was purchased from uh, Pedro Martín, uh, who is is another uh, legend of the industry. And so he had all these brands going back to the '70s that we inherited and that we that we had and we we're utilizing. But certainly, I think people got to know us most from the brands that we did for other people and the the people we've worked with. And certainly that's kind of where uh, our reputation came from.
1: Great. I mean, uh, yeah, I I certainly, I I remember you guys first for, you know, you're you're hearing that, oh, a new Warped is coming out or a new Illusioni. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's made by, back then, a couple years ago, it was Casa Fernandez. And you're like, who are these guys? Like, everything that they're making is just spot on. The the quality was top notch. the, The blends were all different, but they had similar aspects to them. And then I started, you know, as I got more involved in the industry, I started reading up more on uh, on you guys, and it's been a wild ride. I and mean, you guys make, I've had several top five lists that have included multiple cigars uh, from Aganorsa. So if you don't mind me asking, I don't know if this was like a big deal or not. There was a big uh, name change. I think it was about a year ago, a little over a yeah, year ago. Yeah, uh,
2: two, from two from years now this uh, month.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, what was the reasoning behind that? Was it just you wanted to get away from the Casa Fernandez name, or you, how did that kind of play out? Well,
2: I, I, partly the Casa Fernandez, or you had people get confused with AJ Fernandez, and AJ's yeah. done an amazing job of branding his name on the thing. So, people would, you know, there was, there was that confusion. There was also the fact that uh, I, I'm kind of oversimplifying here, but companies generally kind of promote themselves in three different ways they promote themselves through brand, uh, cult of personality. Where the owner or the brand manager or whoever it is is kind of the, what makes the company uh, the brand or the company different and the, and, the, and the brand or the company is very much attached to the owner's persona and who he is and his lifestyle and everything else uh and then you have uh lifestyle based companies i always use davidoff as an incredible example i mean who owns yeah. davidoff who knows but uh, you, as soon as you think of them you think of luxury high high-end lifestyle um the, the great watch and the suit and you know that they've attached themselves very well to a certain style of life, and then there's uh, product-based companies where there's something about the product itself that they you know they use to stand out and separate themselves. And we're a product-based company. Uh, we're not a cult of personality. We're not a lifestyle company. Uh, we ha- we grow a, le- uh, a style of tobacco that is unlike anything else, and it made a lot more sense to name the company after that than after uh, a name that that we, you know didn't really convey that.
1: I'm a little embarrassed because what you just, just described is exactly right, and for some reason I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to have a, a personality-based company, a lifestyle-based company, and then like a product-based company, and it makes up. I'm going to have Greg uh, edit this out later. Um, but <laughs> no, but you're 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 totally right. And uh, there's there's now I really want to talk to you about the tobacco. There is something about. Agonors, it, it's both the name of a company, but then when you hear it, it's also like this kind of tobacco like, 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 that people imagine. It's like, oh, it's, it's you know Agonorsa tobacco filler. Describe a little, like, what is it the, like these tobaccos you guys are using? Because sometimes I see, like, you know, it's like a Corojo seed base or Criollo, but most of the time when I'm reading on half-wheel aficionado, it just says Agonorsa. So describe those, what is Aganorsa?
2: So basically, it's it's three things. It's it's the seeds, it's the people, and it's the processes. So so one is the fact that we grow Corojo '99 and Criollo '98 in uh, Estelí, Jalapa, and a little bit in Condéga. And Corojo '99 is generally not grown in Nicaragua, and certainly not in the capacity that we grow it in. So it's it's a unique seed. It's a very Cuban-esque seed, especially the uh, the, one, the the seed that we grow in Jalapa, and uh, that is definitely one of the the, the characteristics that give us that unique flavor. And then you combine that with Criollo '98 which is more commonly grown in Nicaragua um, and is more quintessential Nicaragua flavor, especially that from Esteli, which has that more gritty, earthy uh, body to it. And so it's that synthesis of those two seeds, plus the processes we use, I mentioned before, curing properly, fermenting slowly, using very little water except at key stages when it needs it, and then aging and blending uh, and using people that have been doing this for over half a century to help us uh, guide the process. Um, that Creates the signature flavor we're known for, and one and nothing tastes like that. So I always kind of say, you know, you either if you if you like our tobacco, you're you're gonna you're gonna love our cigars. If you don't like our tobacco, you buy buy something else. Quite frankly, because nothing tastes like it. It has a unique taste.
1: It really does. And what's what's surprising is you know I've done a lot of these top five lists that we do every week. I just did one um, not too long ago, three or four weeks ago. Uh, Top five Nicaraguan puros, and I'm pretty sure out of the five, and I kind of like just made a list in my head as I, you know, as before we even checked inventory, I'm just going to write these cigars down. These are like my favorite Nicaraguan puros. Then I look at the list, and you made three of them. (laughs) Like you guys made three out of the five, Um, which I think is really interesting because listen, there's a a ton of great Nicaraguan cigars out there. My list can go on and on. Mick Melillo, Steve Saka, Roma Craft, all these guys. But the fact that you guys are able to And Nicaraguan wrapper is becoming more popular. People are being able to grow it, but the fact that so many of your blends are just Nicaraguan through and through, I think is remarkable, and I don't think it's even talked about enough. I mean, when you look at any top twenty-five list, yeah, it might not say, you know, Agonors' JFR every single time, although you guys did get it last year. Congratulations on that. Thank you. But there are so many cigars in these top lists that you guys make. So I, I want to know a little bit about how it started with these kind of industry connections, because obviously you've been working a lot with um, Dion and Illusione for a number of years. Uh, Kyle Gellis, since he started, I know you've done some stuff with Nick Melillo recently. So, like, how how did that kind of all happen? Because I, I know you guys going to grew your tobacco first, and we're going to kind of you know wait. So, like, how did these connections come even come into play?
2: Well, I, again, uh, it's you know it's different cases for each of them, but I always say that th- I think one of the the signs that we have great tobacco are the guys that we've worked with, and, and you take somebody like uh, Dion, who who is not coming down and picking blend C out of A B C D. He's coming down there and he's smoking fumas of individual components, building blends around those individual components. He knows what th- you know. This farm tastes like, and that farm tastes like. So he really knows his tobacco, and the fact that he chooses us to craft his particular style uh, or expression of of the tobaccos we have is uh, I think one of the, you know, the highest compliments that we that we can have. Same thing, Nick Melillo. Nick Melillo was the buyer at Drew Estate for many years, right. bought tobacco from us uh, for for the Drew factory. And then when he went on his own, came to us to do his uh, his first brand, uh, Gluwense. And uh, another guy, I mean, knows tobacco. And again, there's nothing wrong, by the way, with picking C or D blend or anything like that. I mean, there's sure. nothing wrong with saying, hey, this isn't my thing. I'll let you guys figure it out. And I like this one, and this is what we'll go with. But the people we deal with, generally speaking, uh, go into a much greater detail than that and have much greater knowledge of tobacco where that's not going to cut it with them. And they want to really be involved in, in crafting something that that, uh, that speaks to them and their personality and their brand.
1: So if you can give us an example. So let's say Dion wants to create a, a new line. Um, h- how does it start? Does he say like, hey, this is what I wanted to th- to kind of taste like, you know, or does he actually have tobacco varieties and mind? He's like, you know, I want to try these, these, and these. I'm coming to Nicaragua next week, have them ready. Like, how does that kind of work?
2: He goes to Nicor- He goes to the factory and he goes there quite a bit. And then he goes through bales and he smokes tobaccos and says, okay, this and that. And, he's, and literally, I mean, he's smoking individual components and then he'll start putting stuff together to smoke. They'll put stuff together for him either for the end of his trip to smoke or take back or for his next trip when he's down. And he's, I mean, there's nothing completed. It's, he doesn't tell people here, put something using this. He goes, I, I want it this way, and it's exactly the way that he wants it. So he really does a great job of, of 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 handling every aspect of what he creates in terms of the blends.
1: Yeah, I think he's a really interesting character. I'm trying to get him on to, to do one of these shows, but uh, from what I hear is that he's, he just likes to run his shop and he wants to blend cigars. That's what he likes to do. And I, I admire that. I've become a big fan. Of uh, of a Lucione, um, probably the past year or so. Uh, obviously, thanks a lot to you guys. But from his one-off this year to I've had a few of the the ECCJs. Like it, they, they like I said, they all have similar aspects. Where it's like, all right, that's definitely Aganorso, but they each smoke differently, and I think it's just. A, a testament to these you guys
2: are going yeah and, and everyone has their own style I mean if you look at the stuff we do for viaje or for Kyle uh, from warped or, or for uh, uh, HVC or for this, uh, some of the syndicata lines or, or, or whatever it is um, everyone has their own taste and style and way of doing things and so they create something that's unique to them and I and, and that's what's great about it is that, that certainly you know they're, they're all made by us but they all have uh, they're definitely get the characteristic of of uh, of the blend of the of the company's you know own style and and uh and what they're going for
1: yeah i, I couldn't agree more you, you just mentioned uh kyle i want to talk a little bit about one of i think the best cigars you guys have created at least for me which is the guardian of the farm series specifically the uh selection de warped size which is just uh, god it's a beautiful size can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about that whole project i mean i i know where the name comes from but some people might not know the sure. name how that worked in terms of collaboration because you know, it's kind of warped, but it, you know. So usually, it's like I feel like there's like a warped brand, and then there's Agonorsa brand. I feel like this one was kind of like both of you guys were working on it. So how did this kind of happen? This
2: part so, of so uh, um Max uh, Fernandez, Eduardo Fernandez, Fernandez's son, and uh, and Kyle Gellis are uh, they're similar in age, and they're 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 friendly, and uh, besides, you know, the, the business aspect of it, and they got together, and uh, Kyle has a dog. Uh, a bulldog, and uh, we have uh, American bulldogs that we use to guard the fields. And so they wanted to create a, a blend named after the the dogs. And so the, the, uh, the original uh, release contained four sizes. Three of them were named after our dogs. And then the, uh, the, the selection day warped was named after Kyle's dog. And uh, that, that's why that particular size contains uh, Kyle's warp band as well. And, and, and so it's kind of a cool... You know, a concept that both you know, contributed to creating it and uh, we, we distribute it, but uh, it's, it's got both their imprint on it. And I think it was uh, good for both of us. Uh, he's got a, a very loyal, passionate following. Um, and uh, that brought some attention to us. And uh, we also, uh, you know, we able to distribute it and uh, get into a lot of people. Uh, our reach, I think, goes a little bit further overall. So it uh, brought some attention, hopefully, to him as well.
1: No, I think so too, and I I do believe that uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was last year or the year before that was named in the top 25. Yeah, so I'm yeah. sure that really helped get the uh, get the name out. Uh, and then this year, another one from Warped, the uh, the 1988 that Greg is smoking there behind the uh, behind the glass case. Uh, yeah. That was also, I believe, it was a top five. Was it number two or three this year?
2: It was uh, three, I believe. Three, I believe. Number yeah. three.
1: So that brings me to uh, one of the like, the coolest tobacco stories I want to say from the past year. Um, is that you guys came out with a few new blends this year, including a new Guardian of the Farm. You came out with the, with the Night Watch. Tell us a little bit about You guys use a very unique, I think exclusively unique, new kind of wrapper on, the, on some of these cigars. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: Yeah, so uh, we, we try to use all our own tobacco. In some cases, right. that's not always been possible. So uh, we use a lot of San Andres for our Maduros, which is great with our tobacco. It's, it's a great wrapper, and it goes really well with Agonorsa. Uh, We have Ecuador, uh, Habano, in Connecticut on some cigars. But we try to use all our own own wrapper, and we'd always tried to develop a Maduro wrapper from Nicaragua. And uh, Eduardo had been working on this since basically he's been in Nicaragua. Um, And Mm -hmm. finally, last year, uh, well, previous to that, but we released it last year, some cigars that contain this proprietary shade-grown Corojo Maduro. Uh, It's grown in Jalapa under cheesecloth. And the first time I heard shade-grown Maduro, I thought that... Sounded like a gimmick marketing term or something. Yeah. Uh, but they're like, no, that's really how we grow it. And, uh, and what they do, even though cheesecloth and, and tapalo, as they call it, cover, you know, covered leaf is usually associated with a lighter wrapper. Um, they take higher primings uh, from the plant, which are thicker, and they ferment it for a longer period of time. And so it's got that dark, rich Maduro hue, but it's a Corojo wrapper grown under cheesecloth in Nicaragua. So it's not San Andres. It's not Broadleaf. It's, uh, it's our own proprietary wrapper, which comes on the Guardian of the Farm Nightwatch uh, our signature, uh, agonorsa Leaf Signature Maduro, as well as our Lunatic Loco series. All three of those brands contain that wrapper.
1: Um, is this a wrapper that you guys, by the way, it was phenomenal, and I, I've, I've spoken very highly of the Nightwatch on, on again, several of my top five lists. Uh, is this a wrapper that you guys see you kind of keeping just for Agonorsa products, or is it something that you would be willing to use on, you know, an Illusione or an HVC or, or one of the other,
2: you know, people you work with? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to expand on it. Right? It's possible. Right now, we're trying not to overdo it because the yield on right. it is not great. And, uh, you know, I, I, we did do a, a very small run of uh, a Viaje project last summer, um, which also u- utilized it. But generally, we've just been using it for, our, for ourselves and, and making sure that we can maintain uh, the production we have with it. But we hope to grow it, of course. It just, you know, t- with tobacco, like everything, it just takes time right. to get enough online to utilize
1: so if you had to describe to somebody who hasn't tried, you know, the new Night Watch yet or the or the signature, what are kind of the uh, the, the flavor aspects? Because this, this sounds like there's a lot going on. It's like Nicaraguan, Corojo, Shade yeah. Grown. So you, you think it's going to be, you know, more mellow, but then it's Maduro, so it's going to be rich and strong. So how would you kind of describe the, uh, the, the flavor profile of this tobacco?
2: So I, I, to use the Night Watch as, I, as an example, I think it, it gives it a very... Earthy, rich body to, to the cigar, but it doesn't have uh, that aggr- that aggressive spice. So it's it's almost to me kind of like a milkshake. It's got a lot of body to it and and, and just rich and heavy, but but not but not overwhelming. Uh, and depending on the blend, we 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 can increase that spice and strength level a little bit with the fillers in there. But I think the wrapper itself just is just a really rich wrapper that that uh, that that gives you like a, it's like something it's like you feel you had a meal after you smoked it. Um, but n- not having that kind of like in-your-face spice uh, up front to it.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, I really and especially on on uh, on the Night Watch, the, the burn on it too, like the burn line I saw on it, and the way the smoke kind of poured, like you, you can just tell with such a high-quality uh, product. And it, it's amazing that, and I, and I think it's really interesting that you guys are are actively developing, you know, not just new blends, which is you know is tough enough, but actually developing and putting into practice. New kinds of tobacco um, that no one's really seen before, and I, I think it gives you guys definitely an edge in the market um, is there any current this, i'm going to shift a little bit now um, to uh, future products are there are there any products you're working on now that are going to be using the nicaraguan Corojo maduro tobacco
2: no nothing nothing new in the near future we we're, we're 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 filling orders that we have now, but it, it takes a lot of time and then not every it's like everything not every batch is as is, is good as the last batch so even though if we have enough now you know the next batch could come up and it could not you know be more binder quality than you know wrapper quality and then you have an huh. issue so we're really look kind of holding where we are uh and so we have you know a lot more available so that when we we say okay let's do something else we're not robbing peter to pay paul and diverting production from one thing to another
1: see that's why i like you guys you're smart um because the last thing people want is to not get like the new good thing. Like, like I'd rather have you know, a, I'd rather have a smaller amount of it as high quality instead of just slapping it on every cigar. All oh, we need to get it out the door. I kind of feel like that's what happened during the boom is they were just throwing tobacco, like, you know, any kind of tobacco, whatever quality, on any cigar, and people started losing interest in it. So being smart like that, I think it's a it's a good move. You know, for my uh, my expertise over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I like the cut of your jib.
1: Thank you very much. My mom <laughs> made it for me. <laughs> um so speaking of future projects just in general uh i mean obviously pca is, is still tentatively scheduled for july i'm sure that's going to be moved either you know the pca is going to decide to move it themselves or the convention center is going to postpone it but all th- you know all things being normal this is around the time you know april to may where people start kind of leaking out what they're going to be releasing or what projects they have in the works can you tell us anything that you guys have uh, that you're working on right now
2: Uh, Yeah, so we're doing a few different things. We have uh, at the TP, we released a a size of uh, something called Supreme Leaf, which did uh, phenomenally well for us. It had very vibrant packaging, very different look to it than most of the products we do. Uh, We'll have a different size of that available at uh, PCA whenever that may be um, this summer, I hope. Um, And then uh, we also are doing some, uh, some repackaging of things. One of the things when I joined the company was that there was really kind of no... Uh, coherence to the packaging. Uh, you'd have four different cigars uh, that, if on the shelf, you would never know it was from the same company, um, and they would oftentimes even the same, uh, you know, brand, and so you wouldn't know. And so that that that's problematic. You walk in the shop and you see 18 different things together. Uh, they, none of them look the same, so it doesn't really catch your eye the way that uh, you know several items that kind of have at least consistency in how they look. Um, so we, we're going to do a couple of rebrandings of some things uh, for the show as well. So, and we, we, uh, as we do every year, we have a, a size of uh, of our uh, Anniversario, which is made in Miami, which uh, we always have as an exclusive for uh, PCA, previous IPCPR, um, which we'll make a few couple hundred boxes for, all one roller, made entirely by hand, no uh, no Lieberman machine uh, for PCA. So that's always exciting as well. That's awesome.
1: Uh, speaking a little bit, I don't want to get into like a whole thing about PCA, but this was kind of a big year for TPE, just because of, you know there was, there was some controversy involving PCA uh, dating back to the past couple of years. Really got turned up this year. But just in terms of TPE, um, how was it? Like, like in terms of a, of a of a trade show, you know, do you do you think there's a lot they can improve on? Do you think they were doing really well? How does it kind of compare to to PCA?
2: I, I, I mean, I think I, they're two separate shows, and I think they're both important shows to the industry. PCA, does a lot of, uh, you know, the intention of PCA is also for our lobbying to protect us uh, in terms of uh, you know, government uh, regulations and taxes mm-hmm. and everything else. So that's obviously crucial to what we do. We can't be in this industry without that. In terms of the, the shows themselves, uh, TPE, it was, it was very well done. I think there's things that uh, I'll, I'll pro- apply to PCA that I learned at TPE. Um, it's a newer show, so some of the things they do are, are kind of uh, more modern. I think one of the things that, it, uh, that, if I could take one thing away from it, is that traditionally in the industry, at what was formerly RTDA, IPCPR, now PCA, was that it was the only time of year that you could sit with somebody and talk to them. You could, you know, there was no internet. There's, you know, it was a long distance phone call. Uh, everything else, you didn't travel as much. Uh, no, you know, FaceTime or whatever. And so it was very important back then to maintain the relationship, to sit there for a long period of time and talk before you did any type of business or whatever. And then and for, in order to do that, you have to have a lot of places to sit and couches and everything else. And I think at PCA, what uh, excuse me, at uh, TPE, what I noticed was that it, the booth space was much more uh, economical and it was people came in there, they ordered their product, and then you saw them later at the parties or everything else. And... I think that that's probably a, a more effective way moving forward. There's always some people you want to sit down with and talk. Well, you want to sit down and talk with everybody, but really it's not. Sure. I think everybody feels obligated to sit there for 45 minutes and catch up when really the retailer, he's got to see a lot of people. He's only there for a few days uh, You know, in the, in the manufacturer. He's got people coming in and placing orders, and they're both kind of this sense of obligation that we got to sit down here and show that proper respect and talk for 45 minutes before we do any actual business. And I don't think that that's necessary anymore. I talk to these to these guys all the time. Uh, they're always available to call me anytime they want. Um, I travel all the time, so I, most of these people I see at least a couple times a year anyway. Besides the show, and we talk right. all the time. So that that that, that need to kind of uh, sit down and talk. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily I think is necessary. Uh, turn the turn the show into more of just purely doing business, and then afterwards you can have dinners, you can go to the parties, you can uh sure. you, you can use that time to to then socialize um and uh, I think it's good for everybody I think the retailer if he gets to see more of his accounts he gets to take more advantage of the deals and see more people and and if we get to spend more time doing business that's good for everybody i mean i think that that's uh the key to the the, the keys the key to the show is to do business and uh yeah. I think if we can make it you know a few things to make that more efficient uh that don't cost anything um uh it may even save money uh, i think that's important
1: no i i agree and um as you were going on I'm like yeah he's he's completely right about we, we don't need to have the hour long sit down i mean you know i, I don't want to speak for a big company like ours because you know because we're so you know so big we get to see you guys probably a little more often but a lot of companies have their they're fully staffed on reps now you know throughout the throughout the country you know even the smaller guys these retailers usually get a lot of face time. They're, they're holding events. I mean, how, how many events have you done at, at mom and pop retailers? Um, so yeah, I, I think it would, it would, might be a little smooth. If it was just like, Hey, come on, do your business. Like I'll, I'll see you in two weeks at the, at the thing or you can call me anytime. Um, but yeah, or I'll, I, see, I didn't I'll, get see, I'll to, see you
2: tonight at dinner. I mean, yeah, see, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I didn't get to go to TPE this year. I'm hoping to try to go next year. I just, I just, I just heard it was, it was good. It, it was, uh, like you said, it was just different. It wasn't like it was better, no, it was better, better at doing this and worse at that. It was just a, a different experience, a different group of people there. Uh, and it was a chance to showcase your product, which I think is fun to like an almost more unknowing participant, because of Half-Wheel and Aficionado and guys like me and, and you know, and Eric from Dojo. People know exactly what they're looking for at the trade show weeks before they, they get there. And sometimes even they they, they put their orders in already. But for a lot of people who go to TPE, maybe they're not cigar people, so it gets a chance to for you to kind of showcase your product in a new light. Like, oh, this is what we do—that's different. Instead of them reading it on some blog, you know, six months before, they kind of come and you get to have that kind of face-to-face first interaction, which I, which I find really cool.
2: No, absolutely, yeah. Again, I, I, people keep trying to kind of make it a competition or something. To me, yeah. it, we're, go- we're going to PCA uh, and we're going to TPE. I mean, I, I, we didn't we don't view it as it's one or the other. We view it as both. Uh, great opportunities uh, and beneficial to the business overall.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, uh, a few more here before I'm going to bring on Greg to do some uh, some fan questions. So, you've worked, you guys have worked with the likes, you know, some some of the best minds um, in the industry. Like we said before, you know, Kyle Gellis, Nick Malillo, the guys from HVC, uh, Dion, obviously. Is there anyone that you guys are currently working with that we don't know about yet, or someone you guys would wish you like, Oh, we would love to kind of work with this guy in the future.
2: Uh, nobody off the top of my head, I I think is a secret or anything like that. I mean, I think it's pretty much we're we're open in terms of, you know, who, who we do business with and, uh, and, and we're open to, listen, if, if, uh, anyone can give me a call and say, listen, we'd love to do something with Agonorsa and and we'll talk it out. And sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't, but we're always open and, and we always view it as a, as a privilege to, to, you know, if somebody chooses us over a lot of other great people out there. So it's, uh, the door is always open.
1: Very well said. Sounds like a true politician. <laughs> uh, so uh, let me just, I'm just going to finish up here. Uh, I, I hate to get back to it, but the Guardian of the Farm, like I said, still one of my favorites. Um, are you guys planning, I'm talking even long-term planning, even some, some notes on a piece of paper, um, making this like, you know, an every year, every couple year years series? Or did you kind of, we had the original, then we wanted to try those with tobacco, and we kind of said all we had to do with, with, with this project.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think also a little bit, all this depends on how much plays out with FDA and, and right. how difficult, you know, how, you know, with the substantial equivalency process, it's not like the driver's license test where they say you got to do a three-point turn, you got to stop at stop signs, and you got to use your signal, and then you do all this stuff, and, you know, you check you're it all off the list, and you're good. They basically say, submit, and, uh, you know, and we'll tell you if you pass <laughs> without right. any rules. So how, you know, how difficult will that ultimately be, how, uh, how expensive? Uh, that's going to dictate a lot of how much new stuff we can do in the future. So I, I think we're kind of waiting for that to see um, you know, before we do too much other new stuff.
1: Right. So lastly, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot, but this new, the, the products came out with this year with this new Nicaragua and tobacco. What has kind of been the reaction from, uh, from a lot of your customers, the retailers and, and just the average smokers you've talked to? Um, has been good. Are these amongst some of your bestsellers this year? How are they kind of uh, viewing the new products?
2: Yeah, it's done really well. The signature Maduro, uh, we just uh, uh, we two weeks ago released our second allotment of it. That one uh, utilizes medio tempo in the blend, which we don't have a lot of to give yeah. you an idea. Uh, you know, fourteen thousand bales harvested every year. Fifty to eighty of them are medio tempo for us. So very small amount. So with that blend, uh, it only comes out a couple times a year. Uh, the first batch sold out back in uh, last summer, and then this batch uh, just came in. So it, that's been doing really well. Guardian's been doing w- really well. Guardian uh, is a popular brand to begin with, and and I think people are really excited to try the new wrapper, and it's been going well. And and our Lunatic Loco series is, I think, the biggest seller out of them all. I mean, the, you get these uh, corpulent perfectos, and the price points on them are really good, and uh, gives you a really full, rich smoke for uh, for a great price.
1: I, I agree. I, I, think, I think you guys really crushed it this year. This is, a swear to God, my last question. But because <laughs> you guys have such a, a plethora of blends, both that you do with people and obviously your own, um, and some of them get more ink than others, obviously the JFR, the Guardian of the Farm, and you know, sure. the, the things you do for Luciano get a little more ink. What is a cigar that you guys make that's readily available that you don't think gets enough credit, doesn't get enough ink, doesn't get enough you know, ratings that, every, that you think everyone should try, that everyone who likes your product should try?
2: I I would probably say uh, the HVC uh, 500 series or their Broadleaf. I think that, uh, I mean, he's gaining a lot of uh, notoriety, but he's still, I would say, compared to some of the others you name, not as well-known, and uh, he's doing some outstanding stuff. I I, I would love people to know more uh, about him. Um, We also, you know, I I don't know if people are aware, but the Particulatus for the Sindicato line, I think that's an incredible cigar um, that doesn't get as much uh, hype as uh, I think it deserves. Um, So I would say uh, those would be the two to... try out people love them that that smoke them but you know a lot of times i'll talk to someone have you have you tried this and they'll be like i haven't heard of that one yet so uh i would definitely recommend those two out of the the products that we make for other people and for our own brand the uh, bueno cosecha would be the top one for me the the bueno cosecha is uh an outstanding cigar it's one of the cigars that i joined the company over when i smoked i thought it was incredible um and it's very uh jalapa corojo dominant um, and it's a great example of, uh, of what our tobacco tastes like. So, you know, for, that'd be a great cigar if you've never tried a, a product to, uh, to sample is the Buenico such. And it's, it's a little bit difficult to find. It's not a common, uh, cigar out there. So, um, I'll that, just send you my thing.
1: email address and then that way I'll, I'll do a test on each one of these for you and I'll give you my sure. thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> perfect.
2: Yeah. Sounds good.
1: All right. Now I'm going to bring on, uh, on my dear friend, Greg. Greg, are you there? I'm here. Uh, how's that work working out it's for you? It's
0: fantastic. I am almost at the nub right now. Why working it this hard?
1: That was one of the cigars that we got up to do reviews, and when we both smoked it, we uh stole the box. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, yeah. we are like, like, We're not giving these out to other people. No, <laughs> <laughs> that and that and the one offs. Yeah, took the one offs. Like, no, nope, not hand these out to anybody.
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, uh now, Nick, uh, you know, you asked all, all the questions that I wanted to ask to Terrence. I have to, you know, start railing off some off of my head. Um, no worries. With So the collaboration with uh, Kyle, how did that, like, all start? Because now I'm smoking it. I want to be a little bit more interested because we haven't really got to talk to Kyle much yet. When I uh, started with the company, I know Nick has in the past. But, like, how did that whole collaboration start? For specifically
2: for Guardian or just between the, Just between the, you two for, yeah, to be honest with you. I mean, I think it came through, uh, Max, uh, Fernandez, uh, he and Kyle are, are, are close in age. Kyle started off with uh, Titan, de bronze in Miami, and we sell them some tobacco to be quite frank with you. I, I don't know enough of the detail of how, uh, we came together. Uh, I, I think that, uh, uh, also our, our uh, president in, in Miami, Paul Palmer, uh, got to know Kyle, and he introduced him to the factory people, and and that uh, you know once he started trying blends, he uh, he obviously liked what he what he tried, and, and started doing projects with us. But I, I, I don't feel I could give you a good enough uh, version of that relationship. You'd have to ask Kyle. That's that's fine. I, I, I got another question on top of that. What out of all the
0: cigars you've been a part of at Aganor, so what is, what is your most prized cigar? Like what is that one that like your your favorite child?
2: That, that I've been involved in, yeah. I would, I would have to say, uh, I would probably have to say that the the, the signature uh, um, Maduro, I, the signature Maduro is the one that you know I, I'm I like the the way the presentation, I, I like uh, I like the flavor of it, um, and and I you know I was involved in it too, so uh, you know some of the cigars I really enjoy, but I had nothing to do with, so I can't take any credit for them. Um, that one I was, that one I was involved in. So I would have to say the signature Maduro. There you go.
1: Uh, what Greg, uh, could you say uh, which one of your kids that you love the most?
0: I, I know which one my <laughs> wife loves more. I always, I always bust on her about that. She gets so mad at me. Uh, I'll probably have to go with my daughter cause my son's three now. So he's in that, that torture three. Is it? it's terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what it, now, I mean, I, I haven't smoked a lot of your guys' product. Now, is there different sizes to that signature Maduro, or is, what's your favorite size on those?
2: There's, there's four sizes. I like the Corona Gorda best. It's uh, If you like the Apollo size, it's the same size as the Apollo. It's got a, with a fantail. Um, that's probably my favorite size. But there's also uh, a Toro, a Robusto, and then a, what's called a 109 head. It's like a very slight taper. Um, it's, it's not a true Bellicoso, but it has the slight taper
0: of a Bellicoso. Nice. And are you guys working on any new type of tobacco coming out that you can talk about or is there uh you sticking with we we've,
2: we've been growing a lot of uh, the the seed bridal Corojo 2012, uh, but we, that's not online yet. So we, we're not utilizing it yet, but we've been growing it in, uh, I think it's in curing or fermentation at this point, uh, fermentation. Okay. And um, do you know a lot about Mexican
0: restaurants in Austin? Because there's, there's a big <laughs> chat about it in our chat room right now about, about Mexican restaurants in Austin. I was going to ask what your favorite one was.
2: Uh, I, you're going to have to bring in Skip Martin for <laughs> that one. And I'm sure he knows uh, a better one than I do.
1: In his kids' <laughs> own <old>
2: kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. His, go to Skip Martin's house. I'm sure you'll get the best food there.
0: <laughs> um, is there anybody in the cigar industry that you haven't collaborated with that you would like to?
2: No, I, I'm really kind of you know, always open. You never know. You never know what's good. I mean, just Agonors is a great example. If you had asked me when I when I, you know, uh, when I left Quesada, if I was going to end up who I was going to end up with. I, I would have not told you, Agonors, I, uh, quite frankly. I happen to uh, to know one of the uh, reps for the company um, was an, is an old high school friend of Eduardo. And uh, he had previously worked for us many years ago and he had retired, but he came out of retirement to, to help Eduardo with with one of the territories. And when I left, he called me and he said, "Hey, would you do me a favor and uh, you know consider us?" And and uh, and I said, "Sure." You know, what the heck? And I was, but it was more, to be quite frank, out of respect uh, for him than really anything else. Not that I had any negative connotation. I just didn't really, I, I didn't really know most of the people there and hadn't really had that relationship there. Um, and uh, the more I learned, the, the more I, I saw that you know there was a massive opportunity and they were doing amazing stuff. And and so it worked out incredibly well. So. I kind of let it come as a go, you know, and keep my mind open and not get too set on, oh, I'd really like to work with this person or that person. Uh, the door, the door is open and, uh, you never know what type of, uh, good things are going to happen.
0: That's why you're the VP right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you, so, you know, being that, you know, I think Nick and I started doing the podcast, what, six months ago now. And I was kind of that be- oh over a year at? now. Wow. Well, uh,
1: in a year, yeah. Time flies. Oh, you yeah, having fun guys. Time flies. I'm not putting pants
0: on. So, you know, in the beginning, it was you know, Greg was the beginner. Nick was, I always said the aficionado. Even though you won't take that, take that title, which I, I, I appreciate. But if I was a beginner smoker, and like say you were part of the podcast, and it was me and you kind of thing, and I was that beginner, and we we did this for the full year, what would you introduce to like that beginner smoker, that intermediate, into
2: that advanced out of your guys' lines? Uh, so be, beginner, beginner, where you've never, you know, had a cigar. I, I don't know if that we're even the right person to start with. There, we kind of go from a very uh, high, high, mild, low, medium to a a, a full flavored. You know, not. I wouldn't say. Uh, I don't say we do anything in like the Lafleur category of strength, and we don't do anything in the in the very macanudo mild version. So. For someone who's newer as a smoker, I, w- I would say uh, Guardian of the Farm is uh, the, the the original is a great example. Our Buena Cosecha is an awesome example. Our JFR Corojo is an awesome example. JFR Corojo is uh, is, is delicious. Um, if if you go to more of the medium, our uh, Lunatic Maduro, our agonorsa Maduro in uh, in Corojo lines. Even our Agnor Sleep Connecticut, which is, is not a, I, I wouldn't say it's a beginner cigar. It's got a lot of pop to it and a lot of flavor. It's very well balanced, but it's not a, a mild cigar. Um, and, uh, and then for the more experienced, uh, our, our, uh, our night watch, I would say, is pretty rich. Um, our, uh, our signature Maduro is very rich. Um, somewhere in, in those categories, I, I would, I would, agree. yeah,
0: that, that night watch, when that came in for us to do a review, that was another box that Nick and I were not sharing. Um, nope. that was, that was on point. I was actually in between that and then in the 1988 coming out to this interview. Um, you couldn't go wrong oh, either yeah. way. Uh, are you a big, uh, are you a big pairing guy? Like pairing your, your cigars with anything? Yeah. What's, what's your Absolutely. go-to right now?
2: Well, I would say I would say coffee is actually, you know, is, is the best pairing right. of all because coffee, you know, you can have any time. It goes with a lot of different things. Um, so coffee is my favorite. But I, in terms of uh, spirits, which I assume you were alluding to or adult beverages, uh, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of rums and, and, and bourbons lately. Uh, I really lo- I've, I've been in bourbon generally anyway. And then uh, a lot of uh, a lot of rums as well. Um, and then I still, you know, because the problem with Miami, it's it's too hot. I enjoy a good stout with, uh, with a cigar, a uh, porter or something, you know, that's got that rich malt flavor to it. Um, but, uh, you know, once you get into the 90s in Florida, drinking that uh, Bourbon County, uh, it gets a little rough oh, yeah.
1: uh,
2: outside. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big black and tan guy.
2: That's my go-to.
1: I know you are, Greg. Right? <laughs> you love a good yingling black and tan. That is, that, that's, yeah. that's
2: my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, just don't, just, just don't order those in Ireland. No,
0: no. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny, just walking yeah. in with a case on my shoulder like a boombox. You know, look what I got.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> of ying.
1: <laughs> Who wants a ying? Anyone want That's
2: a it. ying? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you something. When, when, uh, the, I, in 2003, I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm a big Red Sox fan, uh, Boston sports fan. And All uh, right, so we're going
1: to talk to you later, Terrence. We'll see you yeah. later. Terrence, I'll right. talk, Terrence, yeah, I'll talk that, to no. you.
2: Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh but, uh, 2003, they were down two nothing to uh, Oakland, and I saw the first home game. It was in the playoffs, and uh, tenth inning, Trot Nixon hit a home run. It was one of the best games I've ever you know, witnessed uh, live. And after the game, we went to a bar, and it was me and my buddy, and we were two Irish car bombs. And the uh, and the the bartender goes, I can't believe you or something like that with all the suffering in Ireland. And she wouldn't serve us. She wouldn't serve us. Yeah. And it was like that was the name of the drink. It's like. I'm not in Belfast. Yeah. All right. Can you just put some
1: Jameson in a beer for me then, please? Yeah. yeah
2: and some Baileys.
1: Yeah. And, and, and some Baileys. Um,
0: yeah. You know, another thing that we get online a lot is people always, you know, stating, and I don't, I don't know, I haven't checked the site before, but like a lot of companies don't like to sell their cigars in like a single or five pack or 10 pack. It's usually like in a, in tw- you know, a box of 20 or, or whatnot. Uh, sure. what would you, you know, kind of tell those people? Cause I always like in those things where I'm like, Oh, you can get our samplers when, you know, once in a while we'll have that cigar in there, you can try it. But like, you know, for those people that always, you know, ask that question for me, at least, what, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a uh, samplers a great opportunity to, to see, you know, it's like going on a date, you know, you don't, you don't just go on, you know, uh, I'm married for a long time now, but if I weren't, I don't think I would just go online and say, who wants to get married, I think I would uh, want to go on a date or two first. And uh, a sampler is a great opportunity uh, to see if you want to get involved further uh, before a box. Now, if you've had it before and you love the cigar, then go buy the box. But uh, I, I think samplers are great. Uh, a, you, know, you can really get a good uh, range of a company uh, or several companies with a, with a sampler pack and, and see where you want to go uh, further down the runway. All
0: right. So last one. Out of all the cigars that you guys produced, what is the most, like, what is the best award that you guys, that, you know, one of those cigars has gotten? What's, what's your favorite one? Like uh, the Warped got a third, The know, was third on TA's list. What is your, what is the, what is the most proud one to you guys?
2: Uh, to me, I'd say that is the uh, twice half wheel has given us a uh, factory of the year. And I think that that is the, the right. best compliment because in any particular cigar, you know, it's ultimately somebody's opinion. Some people like one thing, some people like another thing. Uh, but factory is a lot of cigars. And uh, and so when somebody says that this right now, this year is the they produce the best cigars uh, out there on the market. I think that's about as high, uh, you know, high praise as you can get. And we've won that twice. So. I think that's really great. That's probably the one I think is best. I'm
0: glad you brought that up because I definitely forgot about that award. That's where the newbie comes in. That's where I use the newbie card. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, thank you, Terrence. I appreciate it. Was that your last question, That was it, Nick.
1: Awesome. Terrence, I want to thank you so much, my friend, for taking the time to uh, to talk with us today during all this craziness. Uh, But I appreciate it. You've given a lot of people. You know some some great content and some new ideas on some fantastic cigars to try. Guys, go to jrcigars.com right now. We have Aganorces, so many that it's even hard to name JFRs, Guardian of the Farm, the signature. And don't forget that they make products for so many other people. They work with Dion on Illusione. They work with Nick Melillo on the Willensays. So our warehouse is still up and running. You can go there right now and pick up some amazing cigars from one of the finest factories in the world. And again, everyone, thank Terrence. Terrence, thank you so much for uh, for spending time with us today.
2: No, it was my pleasure, guys. Thank you. And thank you anyone that tuned in. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good day, everybody.